Um, I'm Jenny. Like Ronnie said, my mom is Sharon Semler. She's in the back, and we have a little special guest. My son um, is back there, too. I've been coming to Calvary Surprise Women's Bible Study for two years now um, and have loved it. I actually attend Calvario. My husband, Eddie, and I and our two kids attend a bilingual church. And I'll go ahead and answer your question that you're already thinking in your head, because yes, I'm white. Do I speak Spanish? No, I don't. Been there for eight years, haven't learned it yet. I'm slowly learning. And there's a lady that goes to our church that just recently, not too long ago, found out that I don't speak Spanish. So all these years, she would come up and speak to me in Spanish, and she just recently found out, she came up to me, she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, it's okay. I said, you keep speaking Spanish to me. So um, she speaks to me in Spanish and I speak right back to her in English. And my husband just gets a kick out of it. Um, so we've been uh, at Calvario for, uh, since we've been married, almost eight years. My husband and I for the last four years have been leading the high school group there. And let me tell you, it is a tough age. It's challenging at times, but it's truly my passion. And the Lord has just so blessed me through it and my husband. Um, okay, so I'm gonna jump into my teaching. That was my introduction. It's kind of always awkward when you're trying to figure out how do I transition this you know, from talking about myself, kind of open it up. I was a teacher. So in my head, I always have that teaching format. If you guys were ever, you know, any of you guys were teachers where it's like you have your attention getter, your introduction, your body. Your... So that's how I set my lesson up. And I'm like, you know, Lord, I just, I can't plan everything. So you have to just work through me. So um, don't worry, I will get on subject here. About two weeks ago, my family and I decided to take a road trip, a long road trip. My mom, my dad, my husband, my two kids, Nicholas, six, and then I have my daughter, Natalie, who's in childcare, who's four, and I drove for two days to Missouri. Yes, a very long drive. The trip was to see my sister, and it was a wonderful trip. Beautiful scenery. If you guys have never gone through Oklahoma or any of, oh, it's gorgeous, the farm, farmland and everything. And we had even more perfect memories. But one thing I started to realize at one point on our trip is we had encountered car sickness from my daughter, found that out, severe thunderstorms. Now, we get thunderstorms here, but this is a thunderstorm, like torrential downpour of rain, so hard we couldn't see anything. At night, in the middle of nowhere, pitch black, thunderstorm. A flat tire in Oklahoma, in Garth Brooks' hometown. I guess we were lucky to be caught there. And a few other bumps in the road. So the whole time, my husband Eddie and I kept thinking, wow, God's really stretching us here. And then it hit me. I said, Eddie, what were we thinking taking a road trip before I'm going to teach? I'm like, of course things were going to happen. Satan was probably like, yes. Here, I can just see it. Satan is little helpers because I believe they have these little meetings. So they're having their weekly meeting talking and they are going through everybody. You know, we got this person out of the way and, you know, this pastor out of the way. Now, who's next? Jenny Via. She was asked to teach at women's Bible study in front of, you know, grown women for the first time ever. So we definitely have to do something to her. And here they're thinking, well, let's see, should we put scorpions in her house? No, we've done that, you know, whatever. Should we make her sick? No, she'll just lay and watch TV. Oh, wait, she's going to go on an 1,800-mile road trip in a Prius with two kids through four different states. That's perfect. I walked right into that. 
But really, sometimes God just allows things to happen to us, to stretch us, to mold us. It's always for his greater good, and we just have to kind of settle on that. So let's get started, but let's pray first. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity that you have given me um, to share. Thank you for this ministry. I just pray that you would work through Hannah and I and just that it would be your words coming out of us and not our own, and that we would all leave here changed and just uh, knowing a little bit more about you and your name. Amen. Okay. So my topic today that I uh, was given is never defend yourself. And, you know, I was thinking about that topic, that, that whole phrase, never defend yourself. And it's just such an odd phrasing and certainly one that if somebody in the world heard would definitely argue against, right? Never defend yourself. It contradicts everything we're fed. Because if you walk in the stores, you have stun guns, guns for sale. We have tasers. We have pepper spray. And we have how many self-defense classes that are available to us. So the term never defend yourself is just not something we're taught or heard. Now, I'm not talking about if someone comes up to punch your lights out or to smack you, by all means, duck, move out of the way, defend yourself. This is from looking at it from a ministry standpoint. It's a natural reaction when others criticize us or our work that we want to defend ourselves. So I found a story and um, online, and maybe you've heard it, it's struck me as humorous. So I'm gonna read it to you guys. A story is told of four pastors from the same community who got away for a fishing trip together. And one night around the campfire, one of the pastors suggested, we're a long ways from home and from our church members. What do you say that we bear our souls to each other and tell what our secret sin is? Already I was like, oh my gosh. I'll go first, he said. The others agree, so he began. Nobody in my church knows this, but every once in a while, I slip down to the track and I bet on a pony. My secret sin is gambling. Another pastor spoke up. My secret sin is uncontrollable temper. Every once in a while, I'll get mad and I yell at my wife. The third preacher gulped and offered, I never thought I'd tell anyone this, but here it goes. I keep a bottle of rum in the cellar. Whenever I get into a hassle with my deacons, I go down to the cellar and I drink a shot of rum. And everyone was waiting for the fourth pastor who had a faint smile on his face. And finally he said, brethren, my secret sin is gossip and I can't wait to get home and talk to your church members. <laughs> Sometimes when we're in ministry, it feels like that, right? Like people are just waiting to get that little juicy bit of gossip information on us and share it with the world. When I first thought about never defending yourself, being in ministry, I couldn't get out of my mind this like, tattoo, I feel, like we all end up taking when we say, yes, we're going we're gonna to accept that calling of ministry. It's this like tattoo that I don't think any of us really notices that we <laughs> wear, right? Doesn't it feel like we're called to ministry, we accept it, and it's like all of a sudden this giant target ends up plastered on our face. It's like, man, Lord, all these attacks and everything, it just feels like that's what we're walking around with. So, we will encounter times when we're under attack. And if we are not supposed to defend ourselves, what do we do? We're going to look at four points on what to do, not if, but when you find yourself under attack. So if you're a note taker, um, I didn't provide an outline, but 
I encourage you to take notes on this. I'll go slow and repeat it if you need me to. Um, So point number one, let God be our defender. And in your Bibles, if you could turn to me, or turn with me, excuse me, to 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel 24. And in a minute, I'm going to be reading verses four through six, just kind of so you have a place. But um, I'm going to give you a little backstory on 1 Samuel 24. And um, it's the story in this certain, in this particular place in this book, King Saul is out to kill David. King Saul has these severe mood swings. He loves David. He hates him. He loves him. He hates him. In this particular chapter, he hates him. He wants to kill him. So Saul is hunting down David to kill him. And at this time, David and his men are in a cave. And Saul is hunting David down with 3,000 men. And David had 600. Those numbers are very far from each other. 600 is all he had. And Saul had 3,000. So Saul is looking for David in this rugged area. Uh, Saul sees a cave and he goes inside to, and this was a place of, I don't know why I got hung up on this. This was a little bit of a place of, okay, well, what was he doing? Saul goes in the cave. My books, my Bible said to relieve himself. So I was always taught he was going to the bathroom. But then I'm reading a commentary by J. Vernon McGee, which I really like him. And he said, take a nap. But then I was thinking, well, it's a man. So he was probably doing both. He probably was going to the bathroom and then going to take a nap. So whatever he was doing, he goes in there to take care of business. Little does Saul know that David and his men are in this very cave. So Saul goes inside, and I'm going to read verses 4 through 6, what happened. And you guys feel free to follow along. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterwards, David was conscience stricken for having cut off the corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master and the Lord's anointed or lift my hand against him for he is the anointed of the Lord. So David could have killed Saul. He could have taken care of the problem. He'd be done. He'd be good, but he didn't. He walked up and he cut off a piece of his robe, which to me, I'm like, that's not a big deal. doesn't seem like a big deal to me. I wouldn't have blamed him if he would have killed him. This man's going to kill you. You get to him first, right? But David felt guilty. He felt bad about what he did because he respected King Saul and the place that he held that God had given him so much, even though he was far from a perfect king. In my eyes, he did not... He wasn't deemed worthy of respect. He was trying to kill David. But David would not lay a hand on Saul. Even though Saul was trying to kill David, he had come to a place, David had, where he was letting God handle his enemies. We want to step in and we want to take care of the people who offend us, who drag our names through the mud, or who wrong us. But God can do a much better job of it. And I love this verse, the next place, if you would turn. And mark this in your Bibles, if you guys have a highlighter. Romans 12, 19. You know, when you, when you, uh, I was talking to somebody and they said, I love when I'm asked to teach because they said, it gives me a chance to really dive into the Bible. And 
I just, I'm like, gosh, it's just so rich. Romans 12, 19. And it says, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So it's like just a great reminder that when we think of taking things in our own hands, we need to let God handle it. When we take situations in our own hands, we are no longer walking by faith. We're not trusting God. David trusted God so much that he let him handle Saul. Let God handle those people in your lives. Point number two, let God be the judge. Let God be our defender one. Number two, let God be the judge. This is a hard one because if you're anything like me, we say, I know what I, Lord, I know what they're doing. I know their heart. I see how they live their life. I think I know what you should do to them. You should do this and you should do that. And we have all these things that run through our minds, right? And when I was studying this part in this, um, let God be the judge, I'm like, gosh, how do, I, how do I address this? And I am very black and white. I like to take things head on, boom, scripture. So I'm gonna give us, I'm gonna read three different verses that are very clear cut where God just talks about this subject. So the first one is James 4, 11 through 12. So if you're taking notes and you want to write these verses down, mark them, whatever, whatever works for you. James 4, 11 through 12. And it says, brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. I love, I just, I love how clear sometimes the Lord speaks in the Bible. It's like, man, you know, Lord, what do I do about this situation? Boom. The next one is Romans again. I love Romans. Two, one through three. Romans two, one through three. I marked all these in my Bible. At first, my mom, I was practicing my lesson with her. And she goes, well, it's okay if you don't want to mark them. You can, you know, flip when other people are flipping. And I was nervous sitting there saying my lesson to my mom. And I'm like flipping through, flipping through. And she goes, well, maybe you should mark them. <laughs> like, okay. So I did. So I'm up here awkwardly being the last one to find it. So Romans 2, 1 through 3. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you're condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such bad things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and, let, and yet do the same thing, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Just that thought of like, we are so quick to judge other people, but... We don't look at ourselves. We're, what are we guilty of ourselves? So they're good verses, but they're very convicting. <laughs> the last one, John 6, 3 through 5. And we're going to be kind of trekking through the Bible a lot. I realize I have a lot of Bible verses, but that's not a bad thing, right? Galatians 6, 3 through 5. Galatians. I'm sorry, did I say John? I do have John next. 
but I have Galatians in here. And I thought I marked it. Sorry, Galatians 6, 3 through 5. And then we're going to John. So Galatians 3 through 5. 6, 3 through 5. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. Great verses. I just thought those three verses were powerful. Great verses. I wrote them down. I'm like, those are going to be like up in my bathroom mirror. And finally, in this section, I I had my scripture verses. I thought, Lord, give me a story. There's so many, but give me a really a story to share. And this story um, in John 8, and you guys are probably familiar with it if you want to turn there, is just one of the most precious stories. John 8, 1 through 8. And I'm sure you guys are familiar with the woman caught in in adultery. Has everybody heard that story? John 8, 1 through 8. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gather around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commands us to stone such a woman. What do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemning has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go go now and leave your life of sin. I love this story. They were so quick to judge her and condemn this woman for what she was doing, which yes, was wrong and awful. But I so wonder, and I think a lot of us do, what was Jesus writing in the dirt? It's interesting that it says they all left one by one, first the older ones, and down till everyone was gone. And then it was just Jesus and the woman left there. And what does God say to her? Go now and leave your life of sin. See, we're all guilty of sin. And if the Lord God bends down and gently addresses us in our time of sin, how much more gentle should we be with our brothers and sisters in Christ and Let God be the one to judge and handle it. Point number three, pray to stay focused. So I'll kind of go back. First one was let God be our defender. Second point was let God be the judge. Number three, pray to stay focused. Sorry, I don't mean to sniff into the mic. That probably is not a good thing to do. You can please some of the people some of the time but you can't please all the people all the time. That quote is from my mother and it resonates in my head every day. I'm gonna say it again. You can please some of the people some of the time, but you can't please 
all the people all the time. Satan wants nothing more than to find our weakness and use it to break us down. Don't let him. When attacks come, and they will, stay focused. Run to the rock that is higher than I. Another great Bible story, Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den. It's one that we're told as kids, and I think I grew up in the church. Some of these stories, you hear them so much that it just kind of becomes like rote memory where you're just, oh yeah, Daniel in the lion's den. But I love this story. Here is a man of God that trusts him and chooses to follow God so closely, even in the face of death. He was told, if you keep praying to God, you'll be thrown in the lion's den. He was conspired against. He chose to keep praying and to stay focused on God. And it ended up, yes, getting him thrown in the lion's den. Now think about it. I've been to the zoo. I've seen lions. They're terrifying. They're huge. They're enormous. These were lions that they purposely wouldn't feed for I don't know how long. So they were hungry. They were cranky. I mean, they were real. He was probably, I would be terrified. He probably was. We're going to look in Daniel 6, 22 through 23. Daniel 6, 22 through 23. While you're turning, I'm going to take a little drink of water. Daniel 6, 22 through 23. My God sent his angel. So this is after Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. And if you're not familiar with the story, he was thrown in the lion's den overnight. And the next morning, the king quickly ran and said, you know, open the den, open the den. I want to see if Daniel's still there. And Daniel had just been pulled out of the lion's den, standing there before the king. And he says, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lion. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. Okay, I got ahead of myself. He was just now. So he's standing there, still with the lions, looking up and talking to him. I'd be like, get me out of here. Get me out now. Lift him out of the den and no wound was found on him because he trusted in his God. Daniel trusted God and stay focused even in the face of death. So when our attacks come, ladies, stay focused. My point number four is use discernment when sharing information. This is a really important one. I was like, oh, this is so me. I should have Jenny use discernment when sharing information on here. If you don't already have a pen and paper out, I'm going to ask you to do that. And I'm going to take some time and give you guys some names of some people that have offended me over the years that have wronged me, and I want you to pray over them for me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just wanted to see how many people perked up and were like, oh my gosh, yeah, go ahead. And all of you, I'm going to be praying for you. This, this section is for you. I'm totally kidding. I would never do that. That would be really bad, huh? They'd probably cut my mic and Ronnie would yank me off the stage. Be like, well... But point number four, using discernment when sharing information, 
make sure you check yourself, your heart. Why am I sharing something before we share it? And check with whom you're sharing with. Are they someone that you can trust to keep it secret and pray over it? Or is it somebody that will pray and that will spread it and gossip? Turn to Isaiah 53.7. Isaiah 53.7. I believe this is our last verse that I have. Isaiah. Isaiah 53.7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was like a lamb led or like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is silent so he did not open his mouth this is talking about Jesus he was oppressed and afflicted yet he did not open his mouth Jesus paid the ultimate price for us he took our sin our shame all the bad stuff we've done and he himself he was blameless but he took that on him sometimes and i'm guilty of this we share information under the covering of asking for prayer but really our hearts sometimes are just, we want people to know rather than pray. I encourage you as you're entering into ministry, as you're in ministry, to seek out and find women around you that you can share with, that you can have pray with you. Women of integrity that will come alongside you to encourage you through your ministry. So is there ever a time we're called to defend? That question kind of came into my mind. If not ourselves, then what? Usually when a teacher starts a topic, they give a dictionary definition of the word they're teaching. So I did look up the definition of the word defend, but I, I really felt like it was more appropriate to leave it for my ending. So there are many definitions to the word defend. It has different meanings. One meaning was to drive away from danger, for example, to defend a castle from invaders. Two, to maintain or support in the face of an argument or hostile criticism. Three, to prove something. And four, the last definition hit me like a ton of bricks. To defend is also used in sports. To prevent an opponent from scoring, defending your goal. Our defense is not for ourselves. We leave that to God. God is our defender. But we are called to defend. Ladies, we have an opponent, a very real present opponent, Satan. And we're not playing in a game. It's real life, real time. Satan seeks to destroy us, not just get us off track, but destroy us. We are called as Christians to defend our goal. We are to defend the word of God. This right here. In our ministry, in our daily lives, and in our walk with God. It's not an easy calling, and it's really not one we should be doing alone. So ladies, stay focused, stay in the word, and let God be your defender. And I was going to end here, but last night I was reading through Streams in the Desert. I'm going to, or yeah, Streams in the Desert. I'm going to do another plug for that devotion. If you have not found a good devotion, you don't have to buy the book. There's an app on your phone you can download. And I found this quote. It's not perfectly on topic, but the Lord wanted me to share this and end with this, so I'm going to. It said, there is no limit to what God can do with a man, providing he will not touch the glory. I'm going to read it again. I loved this. 
There is no limit to what God can do with a man or woman, providing he will not touch the glory. So that is my ending, and let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to share your word and what message you have for us. I um, just pray over the rest of our time that you would bless Hannah, bless our worship, bless our discussions together, God, and that you would continue to grow us um, in this group. What a blessing it is in your name.